podcast, where today I have the pleasure of sitting down with Kira Jones-Matusa. Kira is the founder and CEO of Cacti Wellness, a productive wellness app and resource that helps women take care of business while taking care of themselves through fitness, meditation, and productivity trainings. Kira studied marketing at DePaul University and, following graduation, quickly turned to fitness and meditation to alleviate mental and physical stress. In 2020, she set out to combine her business background and passion for wellness and productivity by launching Cacti Wellness Collective, her OTT platform. She has a knack for the aesthetic and a workhorse mindset when it comes to content production. It's been a pleasure to watch Kira's side hustle become her main hustle over the past few years, and I'm excited to see where it takes her. A quick reminder for those that enjoy this podcast and want to support it, please take a minute to give us a five-star rating on Spotify. It's super easy. Just click the show homepage, click the star rating underneath, and slide it over to five. This helps the podcast get discovered naturally and organically and will help me continue to be selective with the sponsors of the show, such as Athletic Greens, who you'll hear about in the episode, but you can also take advantage of the promo quickly by checking out the show notes and clicking the link. Without further ado, the super hustler, queen of routine, Kira Jones-Matusek. Awesome. Well, Kira, thank you so much for taking the time. I think you're officially maybe the busiest person that I actually know with the <laughs> tightest schedule. So the fact that you put this on your calendar and adhered to it, I really appreciate you taking the time to be here. I can't wait. I was so excited when you asked me to come on. This is going to be such a fun conversation. Yeah, it was hard to pick a place to start because I know you so well. But given everything that you're doing, there's so many different avenues that we could jump into with your business and what you were doing before. But I wanted to know, like, I like talking to people a lot about quitting, which seems kind of like a weird thing to discuss because it's like counterintuitive to productivity. But there was a point in your life where you had an awesome job. Things were going really well. You were doing everything in the direction that you wanted to, and you were excelling at it. And that's when I happened to meet you. And you left that and stopped doing that. So what was going on in your head where you were deciding, I'm going to leave what I know, I'm leaving what I'm doing, what I know I do well, and I'm going to go start this thing that's like a complete kind of dream but curveball unknown? So what was the moment or what was the reason? What was going on in your head when you decided to do that? I think even though things had been going well, um, well, and for context, I was working at Equinox in sales. So I, my job was very cyclical. Like I um, felt as though I was always kind of doing the same thing day in and day out. And then after each 30-day period, it would be like a reset and you're kind of starting from scratch again. And in most sales jobs, that's not even the case. Like often it's, a quarterly thing or even an annual thing. And so you have a little bit more time to kind of like get going and, and hit the ground running. And so I was kind of learning that as I was going through it. It was my first job out of school, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. As you said, when I got there, I was like, this is the dream for me. This is so fun. This is like a perfect kind of mashup of my interest in wellness and fitness and my marketing skills. So things were going well, but then I just reached this point where I was like, I I'm bored. Honestly, I was bored with kind of like the monotony of the job. I didn't feel like there were ways to get creative. It's a really corporate environment. So when you ask for, um, you know, new opportunities, it's not that anyone was saying no, but there's all these specific steps that need to be taken before you can get there. And I was, I'm not patient. So I'm like, 
I'm not doing something for another year and a half just so that I, because I need right. to have quote unquote done it for that long in order to be at the next step. And, um, ultimately then, like, as I started thinking more about it, I was trying to get to the root of what, what am I bored? Like, why am I bored here? And it came down to, I was lacking the creativity aspect, like in marketing, something that we get to practice a lot is creativity, but the type of sales I was doing, there wasn't a lot of room for that. Yeah. And so I think ultimately I was just like feeling like I wasn't using half of my brain that I really like to use. And so that was kind of like the catalyst for why I was ready to move or move on. And then when it came to quitting. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoy this podcast and the guests that I have on, you can support it by checking out my amazing sponsor, Athletic Greens. I started taking Athletic Greens because I've always been a firm believer that health starts on the cellular level. From my competitive years as an athlete to my weekly output of jiu-jitsu, surfing, and strength training, cellular nutrition is a non-negotiable since I need every leg up I can manage. That's why I won't skip on ingredients or quality when I start my day with pure AG1. Plus, AG1 contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, and it honestly tastes good while all costing less than $3 a day. Look, if you put in the work, you need to reward your body. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com Abe. Again, that's athleticgreens.com A-B-E to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I'm someone that's like all in or all out. And I knew that if I would have waited too long, I was going to start resenting going into work. And I really didn't want to get to that position. And so I quit my job actually with nothing lined up, but I knew I could basically make it three months and like figure it out. And I, I trusted that in three months I could at very least come back and say I wanted my job back because they right. had made it clear that I could do that. And so I left with nothing set up. And I mean, I, there, I really don't know what was going through my mind besides like, you're gonna have to make this work because you're choosing to leave. But I think that when you're kind of pushed in that like under pressure situation, it's surprising how how much you can do that maybe you didn't think you were capable of because you have you have to, um, and it was also also exciting then because I was like excited to leave. It's not like I, what either got fired or lost my job or something like that. It was kind of all my choice. And when you said talking about quitting, like that's what I love is quitting doesn't have to be failure. It could be like a, yes. it's a choice, right? You're quitting so that you can do something else or because you're pivoting to something's not working. And so that's kind of how I looked at it. It's definitely easy to get caught up, especially if you are the type of person that is driven, that to leave something behind or go another way and forego more success in the vein that you're already in can feel like you're doing something wrong or you're, or you're not living up to your potential. But when you really draw a line in the sand for yourself and do put yourself up against the wall, it's pretty wild what cool stuff can come from that because you're forced to adapt immediately. Totally. Yeah. When, when you did that, and so your Equinox is now behind you, what did Cacti Wellness start as? Like, what was kind of your initial thing going into it? Because, like you said, a lot of times you have to give up or pivot within an idea itself. And actually doing that is what leads a lot of people to find success, is because if you hold on so tight to exactly how you think it's going to be done, Maybe that doesn't track well. Maybe it doesn't resonate with people well. Or, or maybe some people love it, but some people isn't enough to run a business. And so you have to change how you're doing it so that you can listen to your, your customers, your members, or whatever. So when you did that, you left, and you started this thing. 
looking back on it, what was that initial yeah. concept? Oh my God. It's so funny talking to you about this too, because I feel like you've, we've like checked in at different points in it. Yes. It's been a bunch <laughs> of different things. Um, and people don't really talk about with the business side of things, like the iterations that almost all businesses go through, unless you kind of have like a stroke of luck or you have a really engaged audience that's just going to buy into whatever you're doing. But when I started, I didn't have any of that. So I, I started from scratch. I started an Instagram page and at the time, um, and a blog. And at the time it was all just content based. I, w I wasn't sure exactly how it was going to look as like a business, but I knew I wanted to start putting out content. And that was also a way I was like getting creative while I was still working at Equinox. So it was like kind of doing both for a bit. And, um, the idea was basically I had been doing a lot of like corporate workshops and membership work through Equinox where I would sign people up that worked at a really corporate in, in a really corporate environment where I would offer them like these crazy membership deals that their company was paying for and people wouldn't want to do it. And I was like, how this should be the easiest sell ever. Like right. your company is either completely subsidizing this $300 membership, or you are getting like a huge discount. You, your work is next door. Like it, it was kind of all of the odds seemed in their favor to, to do it, but people were super hesitant. And I, what I really started to realize is these people aren't working out at all. So right. to, come to someone that has no experience and say, I need, I want you to join this gym. They're like, I don't even work out. Like, what am I going to do with the gym? You know? But at the same time, most of their kind of like pain points were low energy, um, pain in their body, stagnant, like sitting all the time, wanting to lose weight, unhealthy options at work for food, like all of those things where you're like, okay, well, this seems like a really good solution for you, but to change that habit is really difficult. And so that's where cacti kind of like originally came about was how can we combine that like hustle product productive work environment with wellness? Because I felt like that's what I loved. Like I love to hustle in my job, but at the same time, I always have worked in the wellness industry. So you get this like nice balance, I guess you could say of, um, the work plus like, you know, learning about things that can make you feel better. And so that was where the whole idea stemmed from. So at first I was just really like, putting out content about why working out can make you more productive, why meditation can increase and enhance your focus, you know, things like that. Um, even just like the way that kind of the scientific side, I was doing a bunch of research at the time and would just like write blog posts on it. So that's how it all started. And then I actually was trying to do like a digital magazine for a bit. That was my first product. Um, and I, it was kind of had everything wellness related, but also these productivity workshops, there were like goal setting worksheets and all of that. Um, and I can't remember if I even, I think I was just like selling it or giving it out as a freebie kind of to get people on my email list. But that was the first iteration and people would download it, but it's like, first of all, it was so time consuming. I'm like, I cannot do this once a month by myself. Like there's no way. Right. And second of all, it's just, you know, how a magazine is. It's like you kind of look at it once and then you put it aside and it's hard to get people to go back to it, um, which is why print magazines aren't doing that well right now. And so, um, you know, eventually I started making some video content to supplement that. And now it's all video on an app. But that kind of came a little later during COVID when I was like, OK, how are we going to display this video content for people? And, you know, I had it on like this little dinky website, had all these streaming issues. <laughs> it was like crashing. And so then eventually we got to, you know, the app and found a partner that was able to like actually host all the video content. So that's kind of the evolution of it. It's so crazy how important, it, especially, I don't know, when you are like an, an individual 
entrepreneur, when you are trying to make something that's like a concept in your head actually become a reality in existence, one, and then two, to turn that existing thing into something that's actually generating income, you have to wear so many different hats. You have to be a writer. You have to be an editor. You have to be a video producer. You have to do the lighting. You have to do the audio, the sound. You have to set up the shots. You have to cut it. You got to do the wardrobe. It's like there are so many things that you have to be not, you don't even have to be excited about doing it, but yeah, you have to be willing to do it Yeah, and get it completely wrong. There's so many times where I've put so much effort into making something and I'm like, this is, so, this is just going to hit. Oh People are going to love yeah. this. This is going to be the thing that everyone shares. This is going to be the best episode. No one gives a shit. Yeah. And you're like, if you don't have a thick skin that can just handle getting punched in the face like that over and over and over and just keep your eye on the prize that like, you know, that your idea, Kathy, well, like what you're creating is solving a problem that you had recognized previously. You are delivering something that like people weren't connecting that and now you're doing it. Yeah. And you just have to trust in that because then it gets you to like, it gets you to where you were. I mean, you had been by the time when the pandemic hit, which is the craziest time for digital anything it was like a yeah. catapult rocket ship. At what stage in your business were you in March 2020? So we were still, that was actually the launch. So my birthday's March 15th, 2020. Sweet. The day that everything shut down in LA. Yeah. Well, no, okay, it wasn't born in 2020. My birthday was March 15th of 2020. The next day, everything shut down, March 16th of yep. that year. And on my birthday was the first, I remember it because it happened to be a bit like an important day. I was the time that we launched the first digital um, like magazine. So on that pre-app pre-app, I was yeah. launching it on like a random, I had found this platform. It was like a PDF type of thing um, that people could make an account on, but I didn't own the platform at all. Like it was just, that's how I, that was kind of like the vehicle to, to give the information. So that was just like this kind of like flip through digital, really pretty designed out, almost like workbook magazine. Obviously that idea was never like polished enough because I don't, I still don't even know what I would call it today, but <laughs> that's what it was. And so that was the day that we launched that. So then, then COVID obviously starts happening. And at this time I was still doing a lot of like freelance marketing for clients, like kind of trying to keep the lights on and pay the bills. And a lot of those clients went away. And so, you know, because either they wanted to pause or they couldn't pay because their clients weren't paying them or all of these different things. And so um, I basically was like, either I can go bust my ass to find some work right now in a time when no one has work, or I can just really take this time to like focus on what I'm doing, you know, take a couple unemployment checks and like figure <laughs> it out. And so that's what I did. And, and at that point though, we still like, I think I was starting to see kind of that, especially studios had started making a bunch of fitness videos because they're, that was their only way to stay alive. Right. Um, and Instagram live, remember everyone was going live every day with like workouts. And at this time I wasn't even, yeah. yeah. And at this time I wasn't even a trainer. And so I was like, I was like reaching out to you and being like, can you send me a workout? I'm going to do it and film myself doing it. And then like teach people, but it's not even me making it because I'm not a trainer. Right. And so it all kind of just evolved from there. But I'd say like probably June was the time when I got the website up that had all of the, or the beginning of the video content. And I was like filming it in my living room on a 
camera, some sort of like video camera. And was it was it getting were you getting traction at that point where things starting to could you see the light at the end of the tunnel in a way that like it was going to turn into something or were you still I think I like had a lot of faith in and I still do in the industry and especially knowing that, you know, everyone always wants to know what makes you different. Like for us, it's everything's under 20 minutes and it's um, tying in the productivity factor. And so I had faith and I still do that, like those two things aren't being done everywhere. It's not really the traditional way to think about wellness. And so it's a little bit of a differentiator. And then I was watching what you know, much more established people in the industry were doing at that time and thinking, okay, I'm on the right track. Like, at least I'm working in a direction where we see there's like some, you know, proof of concept here for, for what we're doing. But I wasn't at that time I had, you know, maybe, maybe 2000 Instagram followers and it wasn't a super engaged audience. Um, at the time it felt like it was, but not to like scale this out organically. So I was seeing some traction. A lot of family and friends were doing it. Um, I think like, you know, right at the beginning when no one had anything to do, more people were kind of hopping on. And then, um, then there was a big lull for the next year or so while I like launched the app and was kind of trying to figure it out. Um, but I really spent that time focusing on content. And what's really hard with this type of business is like, I'm, I have to create content in order for there to be a product. Right. But if, if not a lot of people are using the product yet, it's really hard to know if the content I'm spending all of this time creating is, right is even what they want to see, you know, yeah. like if they even care. And so I was, you know, I've spent a lot of money and time on like enhancing the, the production value and making all these workouts and filming all these videos. And obviously now they're being watched more, but it's also still hard to know, like, you know, is this is this, am I going in the right direction? There's no answer. So it's just a matter of like trying everything and seeing what works. So I have all the time, like daily, I have this moment where I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? And I like ask myself this every day. And I've come to the point where I don't think it's a bad question to be asking. It's more like, I know what I could be doing with my personality type and my drive and all these things. Right. And then my past of being a coach. And then there's what I want to do and what I know, what I know, like super deep down when I'm like feel fired up, that's what I'm doing. But mm -hmm. in between that thing becoming what I do full time for my life, for who I am and like where I am, it, you're, you're always juggling, like you said, this, like doing stuff to keep the lights on and like keep the production flowing and all this stuff. And then finding those little moments where like something works and something mm -hmm. is received well and you're like oh okay i i am doing the right thing when one do you find yourself asking yourself that ever and if you do what how what kind of conversation do you have with yourself to like stay on track to stay motivated and to keep pushing in the direction that you like you know you're capable of going Okay. So in terms of like, do I ever ask myself that? Yes. All the time. <laughs> and I think that my biggest thing is like, I have, I believe that what I'm doing, I believe that I'm doing what I'm doing for a reason, but there's like you were saying earlier, there's so many pieces that go into this puzzle of building a business. And especially when you're kind of the face of the business, cause you really have to be on. Like, I think sometimes I'm like, I wish that I could just not show my face on social media for three weeks and like go in a hole and be on my computer for three weeks, like banging out this actual work. But in order to grow the brand, it's really important for me to also be connecting with my community. And so 
Um, I think for me, like I ask myself that question, but it's more in a way of not that I think I'm doing anything that I shouldn't be doing, but like, am I prioritizing the right things first? Like, yeah. am I choosing the right path to growth or am I wasting a bunch of time focusing on like this little tiny piece that's not mattering? And it's, I mean, again, there is no answer. And I think that's kind of what I end up telling myself is like, there's no way to know except for to do the work. Like you can sit there all day and think about, am I doing the right thing? But if you, but then you're not doing anything. And if you're not doing anything, you're certainly not doing the right thing. And I also heard someone say once, like they were talking about if you, let's say you wanted to go back to school and you're like, you know, maybe in your thirties and you're thinking, Oh, like I, I want to be a psychologist, but I would need to go to, you know, five plus more years of school. And I'm 30, like, Oh my God, am I really going to be in school for five more years and not be a psychologist till I'm 35? But it's like, if you don't start school, then it's only going to be 36, 37. Like it's never going to get there faster if you aren't, you aren't putting in the work. And so I'm not really like trying to go back to school or something like that, but it's like, I know where I want to be. And I think that has even moved like that benchmark of where I want to be as you reach more success, you see that keeps expanding. It's like, it's never going to end. I hope that the goalpost moves forever. But at the end of the day, like if you can see that and you know, that's where you want to be and you're not taking any steps to move forward because you're afraid you're taking the wrong steps. It's like that analysis paralysis. You're really just honestly selling yourself short because there's so much to do. But I mean, there's also days where, I'm extremely overwhelmed and I just want to like take a nap and (laughs) cry about it and not do anything at all. And I mean, that happens too. Like it's impossible to be on all of the time, but I think the overall thought is like, I know where I want to be. And the only way to get there is to like try things until something. Lauren and I talk about this weekly because I've been growing these, like these businesses at home while she's going back to school. And there's a lot of days where it's like, ah, I'm, I'm going back to school. You know, I'm finishing my degree that so many other people had finished way before me. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because you are doing it. And all of a sudden you're going to be graduated and you're going to be back doing, you know, with more opportunity in front of you than you had before. And whenever I hear that kind of like anything that's tied to age, like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to do that because then I'm not going to, you know, the podcast won't get off the ground until I'm 40 or whatever. I'm at 33. I feel like I'm 17. Like when you take Mm -hmm. care of your health, you take care of your body and your mind and you actually put work into like well-being in general. We're not factory workers from the 50s who are doing 14 hour days and going home to like on our feet. Yeah, it's not like we're it's a much different generation where I think like the age thing isn't quite as important because when you're 50, you're not (laughs) the historical 50 year old. You're, You're not like dying at 50 my my dad's a great example he's like 56 a guy does crossfit 15 days a week he's insane you can have your career take a little bit to get going and i think our generation is interesting because you are starting to see people that are doing business similar to what you are where kira is the brand like you really are the face of the brand you are running, building, creating the business. You're the marketing concept creator, right? You're wearing all these different hats, but because of, I think this is one of the big positives of social media and just media in general, your ability to reach people literally all over the world has never in history been greater. 
So you can connect with people in London or in Canada or in Mexico, and you don't have to go anywhere outside of New York. You couldn't build, you know, 100 brick and mortar locations in the past with no capital and do it. So those moments where you are just you feel like you're stumbling forward, you're so right about just doing it putting one foot in front yeah. of the other and, and seeing what happens. And I also think like to that point of, of who you're able to reach, it's like, I mean, I, I don't even, I haven't even, hadn't even really thought about that, but it's obviously social media gives you a big reach. But when it comes to like the side of the business where it's actually trying to put good tools in people's hands that could really use them um, to imagine that being especially like I grew up in Wisconsin and I grew up in Madison. It's not like a super small town, but it's, you know, smaller and the Midwest does not get all of these new innovative things as quickly as the coast do. And to imagine having, you know, let's say a storefront where I had maybe had a couple classes a day and a couple productivity workshops and some fun like tech and stuff in there. I mean, the amount of people I could reach is so, so small. Like, I right. wouldn't even be able to dream of reaching 28,000 people that I, like, talk to every day on social media. And I think that sometimes an interesting thing, though, that I'm really learning is that the conversion, and I think I'm saying conversion as a business yeah. term, but I also think, like, another word for that is just connection. Like, the connection I feel with people when I'm able to see them in person or even like something like this where maybe not necessarily one-on-one, -on -one, but they're like seeing me live and they're able to communicate with me. And it's not just them watching like an Instagram story and having no feedback loop. Those moments, especially like live events that we've been doing a little more in the city now that things are open again, you almost immediately, those people are like buying into what you're doing right. because they can feel the results immediately. They're doing it with you. They feel like they're part of something. And that's kind of the goal with the online platform. But it's just there is a bigger disconnect there of, you know, there's so many people marketing online and a lot of it's kind of like BS. Right. So to figure out, to sift through all that and figure out which one to choose is already a huge roadblock for every business. And so to be able to get in front of people at least sometimes and then they can tell their friends and have that like word of mouth spread is really helpful too. So I think it's like, it's this hard balance where I can't remember if you and I were just talking about this just now, or if I, this is something earlier, I'm like getting conversations confused. It's this hard balance where digital used to be everything, like even like a year ago. And I think now people, it's like pivoting again, where people are craving that in-person connection also. And so figuring out the right way to like or I guess a good like fit where you're doing enough online and reaching, broadening your audience that way to maybe different countries or different states, but also really nurturing communities in smaller areas up close and personal is, is something that I've been finding community to be is, important. Community is an interesting thing, like the proximity to your, and I actually mean like physically your local community. In New York, obviously your, your local community is huge because you have all these different areas. In Madison, it would be smaller, but... I was surprised when I did an episode with someone locally here who owns a business and that episode just did really well because I'm in Encinitas, they're in Encinitas and their business is in Encinitas. And I just didn't really anticipate how quality of a dispersal that would be just because we're all part of the same like ethos here. And so when you do start yeah. to get 
face to face, it does become an important component of what you're doing. That's why I've always wanted to do a live episode in front of like an audience, because I think it would be a really interesting experience to one, have it be live. So like the mistakes are live, the laughter is live, everything's real, but then you're actually in front of community members. But back to kind of with Cacti, it's interesting because your platform is entirely digital, right? So like your offerings, the subscriptions, the app, everything comes through digital. The social obviously is digital. Do you right. see a world where you begin to want to do in-person Cacti type stuff? Is that kind of an idea? So this summer, actually like recently, I hired a someone to help with PR and really what that means is like events and influencer marketing. And so we have, we are experimenting with some live events in New York, which I'm super excited about them. However, I think there's such a difference between to me and all of these options are valid, but for me personally, there's such a difference between being a fitness instructor where maybe you either work for a studio or you're like on a schedule at a few different studios consistently and owning a brand that's like completely your own, whether that be a chain of studios that are maybe in um, New York or something or online. Um, and I think what I've really found is like when you start to do live events, then people want you to do more of them. And that's great, obviously. But also it's again, that balance of time where it's like, I don't want to get into a position. And I also travel a lot. So it's like, I'm, I cannot commit this is why I work for myself. So I don't have to commit to like showing up somewhere multiple times a week, every single week again and again. And that wouldn't make me happy. And so I think that that's kind of like now the balance I'm hitting where I'll do some events and, or we'll pitch an event and people are like, well, we'd love to have you on the schedule. We don't really do one-off events. And I'm like, well, I'm not really going to get on it like a, you know, specific schedule. And also I love what I love about the events that we've been doing is they're very like all encompassing. So maybe I'll lead a workout, but then we really try to bring in other things that show the entire brand kind of like in a 3d way. So for example, um, next week I'm hosting a panel and I'm going to do a breathwork session at the beginning, but then we're having a panel talking all about productive wellness and what that means to a variety of different people in different industries. Um, and then we have like gift bags that have a bunch of products that we talk about on cacti. And so it's, kind of this like almost like immersive experience of the brand. And I think that that is really cool and really fun and something I almost could see like doing on a really large scale, maybe a few times a year across the country or something like that. But still at the end of the day, I think I want to build a tool that is something that people use every single day and feel like it makes their life better every single day. And with live and in-person events, that's just, they're more novelty. Right. Like that's not something that you're doing every day and it's not a habit. And so it's exciting and they're fun. And I think that they're a great way to build the community. But I also think when you're trying to like change an industry, you have to be light on your feet and able to like move around Digitally. There's so many things I want to ask you about all that, but well, I will, but I'll start with this. How important is it for you to say no to opportunities that come your way? So no used to be super important to me, but this year I'm trying to be very yes, because again, with the kind of like building a community here in New York, I think, so I moved to New York a year and a half ago now, 
And when I moved here, it was peak pandemic. The vaccine hadn't come out. Um, they had just opened like 25% indoor dining. It was the middle of winter. It was freezing. We would literally bundle up in coats and sit outside and eat <laughs> just because we wanted something to do. Like everyone in the city was doing that. It's like crazy to think about now. You couldn't pay me. But at the time, it was fun. And um, I also had moved with my now husband. And so we were just very like trying to kind of nest here and figure out our bearings. And I wasn't spending a lot of time like networking and building a community. And I also in my head was like, I need to build this community online. Um, because but of the pandemic. Now, because yeah. of the pandemic and just because I wanted like, I don't know, more followers. I don't know. I was like trying to figure out how to make the social media thing work so that I could build the business. Right. Um, now I know that that doesn't convert the same. It's like you need to do both at once. It can't social be one or the has other. to be a component of like it has yes. to be a component but if if your if your business strategy is to just get more followers you're going to be screwed totally it's well and eventually like i mean now i can kind of see that side of it where it's like now i get so inundated with opportunities to work with brands which is really exciting but it's also that is a full-time job to right. do that type of work and partnerships in and of themselves are an awesome thing to do, but it's like, if that, if that's what you want your entire career to be, then building your social is super important and you have to keep doing that. But it's also again, to kind of the saying yes and saying no thing. I'm trying to say yes to more things that could expand the app and the business as a whole. But I've found myself saying no to things that I always thought I would say yes to like, you know, getting gifted a really cool product, but then, you know, maybe having some kind of implication or obligation to post about it or even like really well-paying brand deals that either don't align or are going to take me 10 hours and it's like time alone do I want to spend 10 hours doing that or do I want to spend 10 hours building my business you know in other ways and it, those are hard decisions and, and it, there's no I don't have like a a list that I tick off right. of like okay well if it checks these five boxes, I'll take it. It's more just like, do I feel like it's something I want to do? Do I not? Is it a good use of time? Like a gut check. But I think saying no to more of that stuff. And I, my mindset now is it's not so much am I saying no or yes, but it's like the question I ask myself is, is this directly going to grow my business, you know, directly or indirectly through like connections or something like that. But I'm not just saying yes to say yes or saying I'm trying not to just say no as my introverted right. self because I don't feel like doing something. I'm trying to still say yes to opportunity, but no to things that maybe are distracting. When brands come your way, I mean, I would imagine that that's got to be just a pretty tempting thing in general. Like one, there's passive validation there because if a company is coming to you and saying, hey, we really like what you're doing, we really like what you create, we would like you to, you know, represent our product or this product line across your platforms in a way that's kind of like a pat on the back like hey your brand mm -hmm. aligns with our brand good job kira because your brand didn't exist five years ago and we've been a big company for a long time so there's some kudos right. to you for what you're creating the aesthetic how you how you do this it, so it must be tempting in those situations to want to get on board with that but what i'm hearing is like big picture not every single one of those opportunities that comes your way is really in line with what you're trying to do with Khaki in the long term, which I guess kind of brings me to another question, which is how do you define maybe for yourself success? 
Like, how do you, you said the goalpost is always going to move, and I couldn't agree more. I don't think I'll ever find that goalpost at any level in my life, but I can see it all the time. What, what does that mean to you? Oh, it's such a loaded question. <laughs> um, I mean, I think the word that comes to mind is happiness, right? I want to feel happy and like truly happy. And I want to feel, I think being successful is being energized by what you're doing and having good people around you and, you know, having everything that your life consists of leading back to feeling happy. And for me, and I think you as well, what makes us happy, a lot of what makes us happy is achievement and accomplishment. And I think it can be hard to get caught up in like, you know, why do I want to accomplish that? Is it really important to accomplish that? So I don't think that any one accomplishment is success. Like there's nothing that's ever going to happen for me where I'm like, all right, Right. (laughs) hit my peak success. I'm done forever. Like, you know, Oh, 27, I turned 27 and I'm good to go. Like it's never going to, it'll, I, I, I hope that I never feel that way. Cause I think I would feel like bored before I would feel that way. But I do think like right now I feel successful, but have I done everything I want to do? Absolutely not. But I feel successful because I feel like I'm in a place where I have edited my life in a way that I'm really focused and honing in on things that matter to me. And I make hard decisions sometimes to not either like feel certain friendships or um, do certain social things or work with certain companies that maybe I really like because it's not leading to my overall happiness. And with that, I think like for me, the, the, the priorities that I have the most are definitely like relationships. So my husband, my family, first and foremost, and then my close, close friends, um, my, my work, my career, my impact. And honestly, that's about, I guess myself, like I really value the relationship with myself and taking care of myself, which fortunately I get to do that while also documenting a lot of that for work, which is, it's kind of nice, two birds, one stone, but also like checking in with myself. And if I feel like I don't want to do something that day, I don't have to, um, but yeah, I think that's kind of where I would go. Is there anything that's like monetary does success have any ties to monetary achievement for you? So I'm very motivated by freedom. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm money motivated. However, you have a lot more freedom to do what you want to do when you have more money because you're able to fund things. And I'm not even saying like a trip, although I love to travel, but even like, you know, things I want to do with our, with cacti cost a lot of freaking money like a lot i know i that's why i asked this because i'm like there's been points in my life where i'm definitely money motivated i mean train i can go back to training was a great example when i started training i was not making like any money i was working enterprise rent a car it was terrible and i was like i'm gonna bust my ass i'm gonna hustle i'm gonna you know make x amount of money before i turn x and you quickly realize that as soon as you do that, if that's if that's your driving force, the second that you accomplish it, you're right back to square one. And so you do, ha- yeah, yeah, you, you do again. have to instill a value system, like you just said, where maybe instead success is tied to like, okay, this is great. I don't have to go to work today. I'm working, but I don't ever have to go into an office. I don't have to report to someone. If Lauren and I want to take a trip on the weekend, we go. If I want to go do something else, I do it. 
And so you have all these trade-offs that aren't monetary items, but they are showing you that what you're creating, what you're doing is allotting you time to live the life that you want to live. And if you could like go back in time and look at yourself and be like, damn, you're so cool when you got older. You like, you live in New York, you're happily married, you're, you own your own business. There's all these things that you could tell your younger self that are very clear indicators that you are your younger self's version of what success might be. And that might not be tied totally. to money in any way, but you hit the nail on the head. Like to go and see the world or to fund a project, something you want to do. Like I would, it would be amazing to be doing this in person in New York, in a studio that's sick, that has right. all sorts of lighting and video and audio and a producer on set. And then the, everything that gets cut from it is like, TV ready, like those kind of things to me would be so sick. But after like you doing a little bit of production on my own, it's insanely time consuming and insanely expensive because if you're not going to do it yourself, you yep. got to pay someone. And if you're going to pay someone, it ain't cheap. So okay. it's this, it's like a crazy trade off. Yeah. And I also think like, well, I have an interesting uh, relationship with money, I feel like. I feel like I have a very, um, I don't know. I, I, I like my relationship with money, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to <laughs> anyone. Like, I, I should not be giving anyone financial Let's advice. Let's hear it, though. This but is I think, good. Okay, I have, like, a, a, a strong abundance mindset. I've always been a spender, always. Since I was five years old, I wanted my mom to, like, take me shopping so I could buy stuff, like, I like to consume, I like to spend, and that goes for like personal items, but also like business. Like I, I'm a, I like to feel abundant about it. If I'm gonna spend this much, even if I'm not making that much back from that one spend, like it's all going towards growing something and that energy is going to eventually pay off. Like I really believe that and I think you have to believe that. If, and no matter what, when you're an entrepreneur, you have to believe that like little things you do now are going to pay back a million fold. Right. Otherwise, Why would you, do you it? can't yeah. keep going. Right. Um, but I also think, you know, not to be morbid, but like I could walk outside right now and get hit by a bus and die. And I'm 26 and that would be it. And like, do, do I want it? So is it not worth like putting a little bit more into business right now? Because I want to make sure I have like some set aside for retirement. It's just, I don't think that way about stuff. And I know that's not what we're taught. We're taught to like be very careful and well thought out. And yes, hopefully we'll all live and not have like a tragic accident and live these long lives and need to think about like retirement and, and funds and all of that. But I also think when you're an entrepreneur, it's like, it's all risk. Yeah. It's all risk. You never know if something's going to work. And so to be like kind of penny pinching your way through, I don't know. I just, I, I don't, I've never been one to do that. And I think so far, it's been okay for me. However, you know, there are months, there have been months, luckily, we've been okay for a while, but there have been months where I don't, I'm like, trying to figure out how I can get someone to pay me $1,000 for something so that I can yeah. pay rent. Like, it's not always amazing, but I've always paid rent. So it's just, it's like one of those things where I think, again, with the quitting, if you have to do something, you'll that do it. That is so important. Because, and maybe this is part of social media that is challenging is if you're if you're a brand or in your case everything that you put out it's and, and it's exponentially more than in the past more polished right like you put forth better content better videos 
better stuff for the site. The life is is more lavish than it was, and that like everything is just better than it was before. And it's you can paint that image while you're also at the same time trying to find a thousand dollars to pay rent, and nobody gets to 100%. see that part. And that's a really important no. thing because I feel like especially now in the world it's just very easy to see how much people are crushing it. Like, I mean, people that are really crushing it, right? Like, a, you know, A-list celebrities or like the biggest podcast in the world or people with the biggest YouTube shows. Those people are raking it in, raking it. And right. it's, when you look at that, it kind of on paper looks the same as someone else is doing something similar. A show's a show, right? Content's content. But you don't see that like the person that is on that level, they had a moment too where they were like, robbing peter to pay paul and they were begging you know their friends for that they could train them for free so that they shoot a video or that they'd you know create this piece of content for someone so they pay them so they could pay rent or their car payment or whatever i don't think anyone unless they were just gifted the money from family has really achieved that without this part and nobody wants to like really be that honest about it yeah and i think it's like part of maybe why people don't want to be honest or, you know, I'm super happy to be honest about it, but it's not something I like bring up fair really yeah. either. Like it would have to happen in this type of conversation, but like I, it's not like a conversation starter. I mean, most people don't really talk about their finances and if they do, it's kind of usually a little weird and like off putting, like if someone's bragging right. about something. So <laughs> I think that, you know, it's like, and, and that's also, I got this question the other day on like a anonymous yeah. Q and a that I did that was like, how do you afford designer bags and shoes while running a startup. And it just, it was to me, and maybe I'm sensitive about it, but I was like, it felt like such a it's backhanded kind of like it's backhanded, backhanded yeah. comment. And I almost, I like typed out this whole reply that was like, <laughs> I didn't end up posting it. Yeah. I was a little yeah. sassy, but it was basically just saying like, it's interesting. I get these types of questions a lot and I would never ask someone that worked at a corporate job how they could afford something that they they chose to spend their right. money on. Like, you know, there's plenty of, I don't go out clubbing. So like <laughs> I'm saving a lot of money there. Like, I don't know. There's just, it's, but it's like, you don't have to explain yourself to anyone. But I think what, what, what would be a helpful conversation, especially among like founders is the sacrifice and the, how uncomfortable it is sometimes to, to try to like keep up with this certain level of performance and maybe the way that things appear when you're in like a situation you never really wanted to be in. Like for me, the worst thing I could do is like have to go ask my parents for money. Like I would do a lot of things before I would do that. And like, it's not because they wouldn't give it to right. me if they could afford to do if the amount was like something they could afford, but it's more just like, I never want to put them in that position. That's like that to me would be yes. And it's like, I, I need to take responsibility for my decisions. And my decision is to own a business and spend my money how I spend it. And so I need to be able to like figure it out when it comes to that point. And that actually, I think like there's, because there's a lot, I would rather ask someone uncomfortably hound someone for business than go ask my parents for that amount of money. So it's like, I, it depends. And some people maybe like do get money from their families, like you were saying, but then, you know, they probably have to deal with a lot of uncomfortable things too. Totally. Like maybe there's implications where they have to do something with their family that they don't want to do because their parents are paying for something. Like, I don't know. There's always more to it than what we see. And I think 
because you need money, especially to run a business, it there's you're going to be bound to be in uncomfortable. I positions. think about too, you'd mentioned this about how you can, you know, you can walk outside and just get crushed by a bus and like, that's it. Right. And that, that, that can't, that's not more likely to happen to anybody than anybody else. It can happen mm-hmm. to anyone and, and it could be a bus. You know, there's a million different ways that things could just go horribly wrong in an instance and you're left with a head injury or paralyzed or you die or, or whatever. I mean, yeah, it sounds like dark, but when you reflect, yeah, These they happen. happen. Yeah. And when you real. reflect on yeah. them, I think it's in those moments that I can appreciate the trying to figure everything out as you go forward. Because if you're happy, like doing what you're doing and you know that that can happen at any point, it kind of sets you in your place and it helps align your priorities with, it helps you make decisions on if you're doing the right thing. Because if you, if you know that and you feel okay with that, then you're probably in the right spot. If you think about that and you're like, man, if that's the case, I really wish I was not doing what I'm doing at all. I hate this business or I hate this job. I wish I didn't work for this person. You should go do something different. But if you can think about those things and get excited about what you're doing, maybe it's not making a million dollars yet, but you get to live this life that's productive, that's of your own design. That you actually enjoy. enjoy. And I think that. Right. It's like that's that's such a good point. Because if you do that, yeah, and you just keep doing it, and that's the, the hard part that you touched on in the beginning, you just fucking keep hammering at it. Eventually, you haven't given yourself any other options, and it's easy to freak yourself yeah. out because you go, even even at twenty seven, it's like, okay, what if I grinded hard for like five years, and Cacti didn't turn into anything, right? And you're thirty two. One, you're super young, and mm-hmm. if you're willing to do that, it's going to turn into something. Yeah. And if, if you were like, okay, or what else could I do? Well, I could go get a sales job, right? I'm really good at sales, and I could bust my ass for five years, and I could climb up the ladder, and then I could be a regional, and then I could be a – that sounds horrible, right? Like, so even if you were – even if you 5 x your income doing some shit you hate every single day – while running the risk of getting hit by a bus. <laughs> That's horrible. Right. Well, it's exactly. It's like, what's the alternative, right? Like the, so I have, you know, three days every three months that feel incredibly difficult and uncomfortable. And the rest of the time, you know, I'm on my normal like roller coaster of a day where some things feel great and some things feel not so great, but like normal life. Or I'm spending every day bored out of my mind or like counting the minutes sitting all day somewhere I don't want to be counting the minutes till I can leave. And I mean, that's just for me. Some people might be totally happy in an office job and, or even a job where they're like, you know, I mean, everyone totally. finds happiness totally. different places, but I think totally. if, if you, regardless, if you're feeling miserable every day, there's definitely something you could be doing for, especially career wise, where you're, you don't have to feel like that. And there's, we now have a unlimited resources to figure what that thing might be out. Google and also unlimited options of like where you work, how you're going to work. Are you going in somewhere? Are you not like you, we can have, and the employees have so much power in the job hunt right now because, because companies talent has dispersed all over the country. And a lot of people have left their jobs. A lot of people started working for themselves. So 
employees are really allowed to ask harder questions and, you know, push for what they want when they're negotiating. So I don't know. I think it goes always like you can find something that works for you no matter what, but you have to be willing to like maybe leave something that's comfortable but miserable. Nice segue, leaving something comfortable. So you, you left LA. I'm curious, given your personality type, but also just the timing in your life, growing up in Chicago, living in Los Angeles, and now living in New York, you've experienced the two most energetic cities for different reasons. And then Chicago's kind of in the middle of those two. When you left, mm-hmm. what was the biggest thing that you noticed from LA to New York? Because you're so stuck. Oh God, I always on get asked New- like, You're so New York now, 100%. So I do we. I mean, we're like, mm-hmm. we're going to move here. I know. And I was like, come on, I think come on, come on over. Um, it's, I think what you said, like a lot of it's personality. Um, so first of all, I'll say that they're two extremely different places. Like people always ask for, you know, which one do you like better? And it's like, I have my preference, but it's not because I'm comparing them. It's just because I know I am happier living in New York for a, a bunch of reasons, but it's not because those things are necessarily like better or worse than LA for another person. It's just, it's different. And I think for me in LA, it's a slower pace of life. You get to do so much amazing, like outdoor activity. Um, the weather's always perfect. It's people are pretty calm and like, don't usually get too up in arms about things. Whereas like in New York, someone's like the everyone's screaming at each other. Like literally yesterday, this UPS driver's just horn, hand on the horn. And then the construction workers across the street are like, shut up. And it's like literally like quintessential what you imagine, like it's happening. So it's a lot here, but at the same time, um, I think like to me in New York, I find that everyone's kind of in it together. We're all on the street. We're walking, you're walking by like all different types of people and everyone has their own story, but we're all on the same sidewalk, like just passing each other all day long. And I think that that's like a really cool thing that you can't find many other places. And especially like the diversity of types of people and, you know, age group, skin color, job, like everything, you know, financial status, like it's all here. And so getting just exposed to that many different types of people is such a cool way to live. And I think it's really inspiring to like see so many different perspectives in LA. I think cause you're in your car all the time and because things are very separated, like you can't really walk places right. even if you wanted to, then right. it's very difficult to get outside of, you know, you meet people and then you hang out with those people. And there's no real reason you would be like somewhere with a group of people that was really different than you just by yeah. chance. You know, even like if you're going to a bar, or you're going to a restaurant, like usually you're going somewhere where the people that are there are also similar to what you're doing, you know, like they're doing the same things you're doing. It's just, you don't get that kind of like integration into the culture as much. And I think for like, especially owning a business, it was really hard to be like hustling in LA because I felt like I was super isolated. I felt like I always was missing out on something in the sun. And like, I don't know. Whereas in New York, I think it's, there's a little bit more of this like emphasis and love for the work ethic and, people are willing to put the work in and like miss out on other things. And there's always something else to do. So you don't have to like have this FOMO all the time, but yeah, for me, New York is it. And I love Chicago too. Chicago and New York are a lot more similar. 
Um, but Chicago's just smaller. We were, we bigger. loved New York. <laughs> Getting to see you was actually super fun to be able to walk around and like see your neighborhood and then see these different pockets. It was like we came back from that trip on stuff on such a high. I think the culture and diversity part just can't be understated from the food to physically the people that are around you. I mean, the walking down the street and seeing different people is a perfect example because, yeah, LA is very car culture. So you're going to have people on the street, but they're homogenous to that area. Whereas in New York, you're going to get so much different cultures and people and style. Like, I felt like everything in New York was just cool. Like, it just was cool. And then everything in LA is everyone's trying to be cool or trying to show you how cool they are. And it was a difference yeah. in like organic. Um, I'd, <laughs> I don't really want to let you go, but I, I know you that you have something coming up. So I want to make sure that I hit these points because I feel like the, these are very important things to talk about and you're going to be spot on. So I want to know about your morning routine because I'm a morning routine freak. I want to know about your night routine because Lawrence converted me into like a night routine weirdo. And then I want to know about your wellness routine. So like how you look at your week and we can start in that order. Um, and feel free to drop like any, you know, good face products or anything. <laughs> Ooh, I've got all the product recs. Okay. I love that you said morning and then you said night because I am totally a night Sweet. routine freak. I think that that actually is would be like my biggest morning routine tip is so have a true. night routine because if you don't sleep well then you're not going to have a morning routine or your morning routine is going to be shitty and yes. you're going to be annoyed like also i think there's no point in doing a morning routine if you didn't get enough sleep because you should just keep sleeping honestly instead of like getting up an hour earlier to write in a yeah, journal the audience here is know. no stranger to how important sleep is i can't communicate that enough so that's very much in the vein of the show i'm just getting into that like I was never a good sleeper I didn't value it I wasn't consistent about it and now it's like I'm so energized now that I've been focusing on my sleep it's it's insane the difference um even I think like the biggest thing is just going to bed as I mean it's obviously there's like events and things where I'll be out later than I want to be but ultimately like I try to go to bed at the same time every day wake up at the same time every day within like an hour or so window. And I think that that alone has really helped. I also oh, got damn. an aura ring. So um, that's been really back cool. Yeah, back. We'll I got to like get an aura ring sponsorship because this is back to back episodes that it's been mentioned. And I'm a big fan of it. I haven't used it myself, but with clients and it's, I mean, if you're tracking sleep, yeah. even Dr. Jennifer Martin, who I had on from UCLA, she said that that's the most useful tracking tool that you can have for sleep. Oh, wow. And that's what I'd heard because I, I wear an Apple Not watch, so I didn't really need something like that for yeah. my active activity, but like it doesn't do much for sleep. So this has been, I pretty much just use it for sleep, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, ultimately like my night routine starts with biggest thing is phone away an hour to 30 minutes before I'm going to go to sleep. I will just, I charge it in the hallway. So like put it on airplane mode, put it on the charger and leave it. And in the night, that's not really that difficult for me because usually I'm just like so over yeah. communicating by the time it's time for bed. So that doesn't, and I'm not a big, like, I don't really watch TV. I like prefer like podcasts and you know, whatever. So I, it's not like I need to be like looking at my we do the same phone thing. to watch plug it in the night. bathroom. Like, that's a game that. changer that I don't think people are willing to do, which is great to hear from you because you're so content centric and you are always on your phone with your life. It, 
changes everything because it stops stimulating you. Yeah, exactly. Like even the light alone, I think like, obviously, I mean, the content, which you don't really have that much control over when you're on social media, like you could see something you really right. didn't freak you see out, excite you, worry you. I mean, there's too many things that go yeah. on. Yeah, drama, like it, it, someone texts you something. Exactly. It's just like you don't have control over what you receive. And so to an extent, you know, there's only so much control you can have. And so I think putting that away is huge. I do that. Um, I We put our room at 64, 63 I to really, 65 degrees, somewhere really, in there. really, really hope that Lauren is listening to this part of the podcast because- Lauren- I would literally sleep in a snow cave with like a flannel blanket on and we go to battle over. I, I just give up because she's going to win anyway and she'll just change it on her phone. She won't put it below 68 and it drives me absolutely crazy. But to I her defense, like uh -uh. she'll she'll put it at 68 and I'll think it's at 64. So I don't really have a leg to stand on because I don't even notice anyway. <laughs> yeah, if you don't know the difference, then yeah. Mike yes. likes it really cold. I settle on 63 to 65 at night. But then in the day, I can relate to Lauren. Like, Mike wants to have our AC blasting big all the time. I get cold during the day. But for night, yeah. it's Shout nice. Shout out, Mike. Yeah, big fan of Mike. For night, it's nice. Hi, Mike. For night, it's nice because, you know, you have blankets. It's, I'm still bundled up, but just having the room be cool is nice. We do a humidifier. I have a Dyson, like, air purifier slash fan. I really like that for the sound, which I actually listened on like a Huberman lamp lab podcast that he was saying having that like constant white noise maybe isn't the best thing for you, but too bad. That's how I like, I almost can't sleep without fan noise. And what else? I mean, we just do red lights before bed. So we're only seeing like the red light bulb. Um, I have a, you can get them on Amazon. It has like a remote control so I can just easily turn it white, red, off, on. You can get book lamps um, like that too if you're not a like Kindle person. My book either. lamp goes red also Same for the same reasons. Oh, that's smart. Yeah, I use a Kindle. So I do I do use, I guess, technology in bed, but only the Kindle, which really just is, I take the brightness all the way down. So it's just like reading a book. And then my other big thing that I like think is a little bit different that I do at night is either usually I'll try to script, which is a form of journaling where you're basically writing things as if they've already happened. So I'll say wow. like, let's say, for example, I just went to Miami swim week and I completely was manifesting that. And so I'd be writing in my journal every night, like I'm going to Miami swim week, I'm attending this and that event and almost everything verbatim like happened. So it's just putting your energy in that direction. And especially before you're about to dream, I feel like it's nice to kind of dream out like you know on paper a little and then go to sleep with that instead of like thinking about all the things you're stressed out about before like you that. fall asleep i actually haven't i haven't heard of yeah. journaling for sure like in the morning or at night but i do like that so it's like uh almost proactive journaling for your future exactly and i'll date it i'll date it to the date that we're on but i write it as if it's happening you know two years in advance a month in advance like whatever it is especially if there's something i'm a little stressed about that's coming up that I like want, I'm not stressed, but like, I really want it to go well, then I'll journal it as if it went well. And it's just like a good practice. Then I feel more at ease and your brain actually doesn't know the difference. Like if you're thinking that something happened and it happened or it actually happened your brain. So then you just don't feel that fear because you think you already, your brain subconsciously yeah. thinks you've already done that. It doesn't daydream, mean like daydreaming is a huge part you know, of my like creation, creative process with production and editing and like, yeah. Um, 
any kind of content creation stuff, I actually, it's funny you say that. I, I think during the day a lot, whether it's on like a walk or, or post workout or something and envision a lot of the things that I then go on to cut down or edit or change or reach out or things like that. I, it's super powerful tactic. Just yeah, the daydreaming or even like you said, like it, putting the thoughts to a page, but the, yeah, your brain sees it, whether it, it's happening or not. And so when it does happen, it's almost like you've already seen it happen. Yes, yes, exactly. It's, it's really, it's powerful. And I mean, we do like visualization meditations on cacti that are the same concept, yeah. but it's like prompted, but I find writing it down is, is so like solidifying, you know, to have it actually coming taking the time, really focusing on what you're saying. Um, so I'll do that a lot. And then sometimes I'll also just write like a brain dump in there if I feel like I can't stop my mind from racing. But usually after the rest of that nighttime routine, I'm pretty like right. wound down by the time that I'm going to sleep. And then mornings, um, I used to have a more of a detailed morning routine, but I think it's, again, like I was maybe trying to wake myself up too early in order to do all of these things. And it wasn't serving me in like keeping yeah. my energy up all day. And so now I just wake up again, try not to get on my phone for like hard. 30 minutes to an hour. And it's hard. Uh, my biggest thing like lately has been, I have to meditate before I'm allowed to look at my phone and I don't set like a timer on it or anything. Like if I meditate for three minutes, fine. If I meditate for 15, great. But like, I need to, yeah. that's like my rule to myself before I'm allowed to turn it off airplane mode. Um, so I at least make it like that far and had like a moment to myself. And then usually I go to the gym basically right away around like six, six thirty, And I'm trying to think if there's how, anything else. How important else, is like, like act, physical activity to your mental well-being? Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's everything to my mental well-being. Absolutely everything. If I don't have movement in my day, my, especially like my energy. And I don't like feeling low energy because I don't think I'm a very, I am a very high energy person naturally. And so I feel like I'm doing myself a disservice if I'm not making sure that I'm like keeping right. my energy in a good place. And that's why I like working out in the morning because a, you have less excuses. It's like, I'll do it before I could possibly have a meeting. Um, and B, it just kicks off my day in a way where I feel at my peak energy early, you know, early on. So I, I, it's very important to me, but I really don't do anything aggressive. Like I really don't like going to like a berries class. I will not run. I'll do soul cycle every like two months. Cause it's fun. But like I walk and I do low impact workouts often with some sort of weight for about 20 minutes a day and I'm really consistent with it. And beyond that, there's not, it's like whatever activity I get in, you know, for fun, like I'll play tennis or do something like that. But I really don't, I take the pressure out of it. I don't try to kill myself every day. I really don't have like a specific goal. Like I'm not trying to get to a specific thing. It's more just like to keep myself feeling good. And honestly, my body reacts so well to that. Like I think that my body can tell that it's not stressed anymore. And so I've like, lost a lot of weight and toned up a lot, but it's all just, I'm not doing anything differently. Like food wise or I remember when, when you worked at Equinox, you were always trying to find a good balance there and like manage that. And it was admittedly tough for you, right? Like you had swings and ups and downs. Yeah, absolutely. 
and confusing because you think you're doing, I mean, I was working out totally. like twice a day. Now I understand I was just overdoing it. But at the time I was like, I'm doing everything right. I don't understand what's going on. I think it's so important for people on. to internalize that. Like it, we're cut from a different cloth in that sense, right? I'm going to go, I'm going to train super hard, but it has purpose in different areas of my life. I'm also personally like tied to that type of exertion, but that doesn't mean it's for everybody. And at the end of the day, if no. doing your wellness routine and your fitness routine keeps you healthy, provides more longevity and gives you the mental awareness to go about your day and absolutely crush it, do everything that you do for Cacti and yourself, then who's to say that one's better than the other? They just serve different purposes. And I totally. think people get caught up in that, that they, especially when you're inundated with information that if you're not doing like the fastest mile ever ran and the heaviest weight ever lifted, then you're worthless. Not the case at all. In fact, dialing it back in some cases in a way that gives you more consistency will actually give you more productivity in the end because your energy is in the right place. Yeah. I mean, consistency is consistency is everything for me. And I just know myself. It's like, I'm not going to do something for an hour every day because there's going to be days I don't want to do it. And if I'm planning an hour and I don't want to do it, then I'm not going to do anything. Whereas if I'm like, okay, Kira, just do like 10 minutes of something and then like take the dog out later and, you know, get moving. It's also like, once you get started, usually you start to feel good pretty quickly. And then it's easier to Maybe I thought I was going to do 10-minute workout. Now I'm doing 30, but it's like just because I actually feel better and more energized. And yeah, so I think it's it really is – no one wants to hear that because it's not an easy answer. But trying things and figuring out what works best for you is really like that's when you're going to fully see results yeah. and sticking 100%. to it. 100%. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. There's a million more things that we could talk about for a very long time, which means that we'll have to do this again Yes, we'll do this again we in the future. <laughs> but thank you so much for taking the time to be on here. Uh, in the show notes, there will be all the links to Cacti, everything. So if you're someone who's trying to find your wellness routine or figure out something that works best for you, there's amazing options on there for all the reasons that we just talked about. So Kira, thank you for taking the time to do this. Thank you.